0: Welcome to 1001 Good Nights, a podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Follow along with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they explore the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Hey, Ben.
1: Hey, Nick. I feel like you are often uh, and, and me too bemoaning the fact that we don't have uh, an illustrator on the the show as as, as a regular guest to pose some of the questions you know about the author's intent w- w- when with some of these children's books and it occurs to me that um we might not have a, a podcast guest but the the authors of the children's books have often provided sort of a an illustrator for us in the sense that a lot of the uh, characters in the children's books are artists themselves and so we get to see what they do and how they think and how they make decisions on the pages um even if we're not you know being invited sort of backstage to to see an artist you know folding pages or you know drawing out sketches of caterpillars or anything like that What what do you what do you think about that
0: yeah, totally. That's uh, that's kind of deep. i have never I don't know if I'd ever thought about it like that. But um but yeah, it is it is a interesting kind of recurring theme in a lot of um e- even if like the character, the main character or the protagonist themselves isn't an artist explicitly, the idea of um yeah, art, artistry and creativity and and having some sort of kind of artistic endeavor by one of the characters somewhere, um, there's a lot of books yeah, sort of so, where this comes so, up.
1: So what's what's a good example to start with, you think?
0: Um, so like an obvious one, uh, an episode we've done is, um, the, um, artist who painted a blue horse. Yeah. Right. Where it's, it's kind of a, and, and I feel like this is very self-conscious on Eric Carl's part where he's, he's written a lot of books that don't have artists in them, right? They're right. all just pictures of the animals, but then right. towards the end of his career, he decides to do, to follow like a similar pattern for the book, but to deliberately introduce this element of.
1: To take one step back. Yeah. So in, yeah, yeah, instead of the. Uh, the the spider who you know, the very busy spider who encounters cows and sheep and ducks and you know various barn animals you're still getting cows and and uh, you know lions and, and other creatures but instead of the spider it's from the perspective of the artist who is painting all these things and not like an an- another animal that's encountering them and what's interesting is that these are then not you know these are maybe more imaginative creatures you know it's a it's a, a a pink rabbit or a purple fox or a, a polka dotted donkey, um, or a oh a yeah titular blue horse. And so it's that maybe obviously <laughs> scientific tangent, I, I'm sure spiders' eyes see think see things <laughs> differently, actually, from our eyes. Those are the compi- I don't know. that They have eight what's, but but artists maybe they have uh, either the license or the perspective, you know, to to to, to present the world to us in, in a different way. And so that makes their encounters with with animals and creatures like especially interesting i think mean, that's one thing that maybe eric carl is is saying in, in in this uh late late carl <laughs> bit, bit of work
0: <laughs> yeah i mean and the, but then there's other there's other ones that are more subtle i guess where so i was one of the ones i thought of was because we are my daughters and i are reading rereading the wind in the willows for like the seventh time um now and there's one of the little themes that's easy to or or like recurring little motifs i guess that's easy to miss and doesn't isn't a part of the the plot really but um rat is a aspiring poet there's all these little like small moments throughout the story where he's like scribbling down little lines or um practicing little, and then there's points too, where like, like in the end, like Toad is sort of crafting his speech, like this big speech he wants to give. And so there, there are little like nods to artistry um, throughout the book, even though that's not ostensibly the main, one of the main, I would say
1: kind of uh, pretty unprompted. And sometimes, sometimes I thought maybe Kenneth Graham was like, he's, nobody's really asking necessarily Toad to give a speech or or a rat to certainly burst into a little ditty about, sculling on the river but but, uh and maybe Kenneth Graham himself kind of felt like he's just waiting for somebody to ask him to do some of these things and the opportunity has not arisen so he's like well I guess I'll just shove some of this into a, a children's book about moles so and weasels
0: yeah, I think that could be part of it. it. it's all but it's also very I think it works. It's yeah, it's it,
1: also it's also charming and they, and they really, it really it does flesh out the characters for for Yeah, for it gives things. them kind
0: of realistic sort of um subtle detail mm-hmm. that makes them feel like more more full characters, right? Um and all but also sort of sets off um, cuz I think Mole is sort of the um the the character the reader is meant to identify with because he's a little bit more um he's new to this whole world, right. That he, he kind of dives into um, it, but he, but he, he doesn't have any of that, but then you see a lot of these characters who do in their own way, have these little kind of artistic um, quirks. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting that it, 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 it shows up in a variety of, sometimes it's super explicit, but then sometimes it's more subtle like this in the wind of the willows.
1: Yeah. And, uh, s- sometimes it's that it's a, uh, like kind of an, uh, a pastime, you know, that, that, that they do, but sometimes it's, it's a matter of survival. So, you know, in and, and, in, in Harold uh, and the Purple Crayon, a lot of times he, so he's drawing the world, whatever he draws sort of happens so he can kind of create these things and he has to save himself from, from kind of a mess sometimes that his art gets himself into. So he'll like, he'll fall off a cliff and then he has to quickly draw himself a hot air balloon, and the same thing almost, you know, in Journey, which is a similar, there's a similar magic writing utensil, where, you know, they they fall out of flying machines, and they have to make for themselves flying carpets, or they have, you know, they have to, they they have to, uh, it's not just, you know, how are we going to pass the the time and and you know develop as characters? It's like, oh no, how are we going to stop ourselves from being
0: you know, g- killed or like, <laughs> is that, is that like, the yeah, stakes are a little bit higher? Yeah. And, and that it's not, it's not just art you know, as in kind of like the fine arts, but kind of art in the sense of like making stuff like w- one kind of unusual one that i booked that I thought of was Olivia oh, yeah. and in, in Olivia. So some of it's just about, um, you know, she's trying on lots of dresses and, um, you know taking a nap and stuff like that but a, a lot of the vignettes are actually about her kind of making stuff so whether it's the, the giant empire state building sandcastle mm-hmm. or she's she's painting her own Jackson Pollock on the wall after visiting the museum or even imagining herself being a ballerina or right the opera
1: singer yeah or dreaming yeah or the opera
0: singer right yeah 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 um yeah there there there's a lot of kind of uh there's a strong sort of theme of kids seeing themselves as um, if not artists, like creators or sort of makers of things,
1: yeah. But really you say that, like that you, you kind of make the relationship uh, between the high art and kind of how they react. So Olivia, I mean, that's that's some pretty high art stuff. You know, the the the, the, the art museum and the yeah. the ballet and, painting, and, yeah. and, and then the, and the and the uh, the opera. I mean, that, that's pretty heady stuff. And one of the things that's so uh, so my my daughter's favorite part is. Definitely the Empire State Building when when, when she goes that that's that's
0: got to be one of my top five. Favorite yeah, that's pretty good. And and that's we she
1: just yeah. says that all that she but, um, she's really struck by the the second thing is definitely that the picture of Olivia standing on stage, and that look that Olivia has looking at the painting. Mm-hmm. I don't know as a parent reading to kids especially over and over again. We said one of the luxuries is being able to notice your kid's reaction because you're so familiar with the story. Yeah, and I think one of the most rewarding things is every now and then there's just a moment of intentness, like an intent facial expression, like real attentiveness that, that comes over one of my kids. And that's so, because sometimes like how much are they hearing we have read this uh, several times and you can see just gears turning. And, you know, especially a lot of times it'll get recycled kind of in nonsensical ways. You know, like Jack talks about, Lava in all kinds of ways that don't make any sense. You know, like, why there could be <laughs> lava there, but you can just see all of a sudden something. Like there's like a brightness, and they're just really oh, that is that like things are being reconfigured and, and shifted around. And that's, I don't know, that's that's one of the most moving things about you know telling stories or even just interacting with kids in general. Is that, has that been your experience? Yeah. Or, or does that does that resonate? Does that does that sound familiar?
0: Well, I think that's a big absolutely, but I think it's also a big. Um, piece of the rubric for when I internally assess, I guess, children's book quality and whether I, whether I really like something and whether something really speaks to me is really if it does what what all I, I would say good art certainly great literature does, which is like invites you in um, and, and like encourages you to, you to sort of think and feel and and see things differently. So it really it invites like active participation and kind right. of discussion. Right. And I think that's when I think about like sort of the broad sweep of a lot of the books we've done, most of the ones I really love in some way, there's some kind of technique or way that they they go above and beyond to sort of invite kids in and to be more um proactive, right, with with the story or the ideas of the characters or or whatever it is. And, and so you
1: think that's more that could be more attributed to their capacity to to invite the kids or or, or to show kids like how you participate in things almost in the way that Olivia shows Olivia looking at something and then internalizing it and being inspired by it. Then what the actual invitation looks like, like, Oh, because the the other thing is like read these, you know, read books about, you know, trucks and, and, uh, hippopotamuses or hippopotamus trucks and creatures and kids love like animals and, and construction equipment. And that's going to be like what what draws them. But you're saying that almost the way of, like, like sort of showing and not telling about the, the, like how imagination works. That that's an effective way to. Is, is that? Well, I, am I, I, am I making too big of a deal out of it, or is, is <laughs> No, no, no. This
0: is great. I, I think there's like two things going on. The first is you as like a, a lot of the the best children's books. They they obviously they tap into something very true. So if you think about like where the wild things are, like Max is sort of like. Um, rebelliousness, almost like meanness, like that, that sort of intense, like angry energy or, or Olivia, that, that sort of like spunkiness, right. It's, he like captures that so well for, for both kids and parents, I think like are drawn to that. So that's like kind of the invite that like gets you in it, something really resonates, but then, but then usually there are specific uh, kind of like, uh, techniques or yeah. or things in the book that then encourage like a deeper level of participation so so with olivia right there, there's several of these vignettes which model a, a little kid sort of um going after higher pursuits right really yeah. like contemplating or being intent about uh, about something much bigger than them whether yeah, it's the really architecture a- of, ambitious uh, yeah yeah yeah, exactly, and so that so I think it sort of works on on those those two different levels, right? Um, and I think that's like journey would be another example, right? Where it's it's you, every kid can resonate with that, like mom, let's go do something. No, I'm too busy. Dad, let's go do something. No, I'm too busy. Sister, let's go do something. No, I'm too busy. Oh, I'm sad. I'm all alone. I, no one wants to play with me. And then they get drawn into this. So everyone relates to that. That sucks you in. But then the the sort of artifice of I'm going to use this kind of magical creativity to. Um, on my own, like, arrive at solutions to to big, grand problems, right? I don't know, sorry. No, no, no,
1: no, you you drew me in. (laughs) (laughs) That that, 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 that resonates with me, no doubt. If you enjoyed this episode, check out our other content at 1001goodnights.com and help us out with a rating on your podcast platform of choice.